Welcome back. Welcome back. There. Is the mic on? Is this thing on? Welcome bike to the channel. Welcome bike to the headquarters. My name is Nicholas. This is BDGE. Big Dog's got E fantasy football. And I know I left you hanging without a kraken. So I shall rewind and ask you, what's cracking? Big Dogs. Except for my fucking eggs. I can't find eggs anywhere in the city. I can find them, but they're like legitimately $7 for a dozen eggs. And out of print, I really like eggs. I really do. They're like a staple of my diet for the most part, but I cannot find them for a reasonable price fucking anywhere. And it drives me insane. Like I'm just out of the principle, I'm just not going to buy a $7 carton of a dozen eggs. You know what I mean? Like, would you guys do that? No, nobody in their fucking right mind would. But alas, here I am fucking complaining and crying about eggs not being cracked. Um, are we still live? Sorry, I'm all over the place this morning, so I'm trying to get fixed up here. Thank you all for joining me. Uh, we're going to be talking week nine waiver wire. We're going to be going through the entire weekend of the week eight NFL football games, the footy games, and we will um, kind of get into anything that we thought was notable, anything that we thought was... Are we good? Are we still lagging? We still lagging bad? Are we straight? What it do? What it do? Hiller, hiller. My computer's all fucked up today. Are we lagging? This is the worst stream I've ever done. Still lagging, huh? I think I did no ultra low latency. That's probably why it's lagging. I don't give a shit. We're chilling. You guys get lag. Get lag. And you're going to fucking like it. So it's cold out here, man. Not only do I have to complain about the fucking eggs, but now we're in sub 40 degree weather. I might open up the window over here. There you go. So now I can look out there 62 times throughout this uh, live stream. Okay. 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 I got to get it together here. Here's what we're doing. Here's what we're doing. We're going to do some Q&A at the end of the live stream, but I'm going to get into my recap. We're going to go through the injuries as we always do, and there were a lot of them as there always are. We'll talk about Aaron Jones first. He's obviously been out with this calf injury for a couple of weeks now, and it tends to be you know, about 17 days before you can return from a calf injury. He's coming on that time. However, they play Thursday night football. They play Thursday night football, so very good chance he misses this game as well. So hold on to Jamal Williams, of course. You're not dropping him right now because he's an RB1 as long as Aaron Jones is out. And uh, and things could get dicey there because now we've got A.J. Dillon catching COVID. It's the only fucking thing he can catch this year. Um, based on his elusiveness, I am not surprised he was not able to shake his way off of the COVID list. Now we have to be careful of who was his close contacts. Is it the offensive lineman? Is it the other team? Is it praise B? Praise to God, hoping it's not Jamal Williams, because we need Jamal Williams for week nine, people. We need Jamal Williams. We're going to have to wait on who A.J. Dillon was touching and who he was kissing, and um, we'll see. But Aaron Jones, very good chance he misses next week because it's a short rest Thursday night. T.Y. Hilton, groin. Groin strain. 
This is from uh, someone on Twitter. One of the one of the docs we got out here is that I believe he suffered suffered either a grade one or grade two groin strain. A grade one strain would cost him one to two weeks, and a grade two strain would cost him three to six weeks. He's been terrible, so there's nothing major to report here. Uh, that last part about him being terrible was from my mouth, not whoever I stole that from. When you look at the wide receivers behind Hilton, you have also uh, when you hear injuries about a groin and a hip, a lot of the times they are interchangeable. A lot of the times the medical reports are interchangeable when it comes to those two terms. So a hip injury could be a groin injury. A groin injury could be a hip injury, vice versa. If so facto, I'm y'all's fucking boss. T.Y. Hilton behind him. We had uh, Zach Pascal leading the team in snaps with 58, Marcus Johnson with 48 and Pittman with 45. So those are your top three targets in terms of wide receivers. Obviously, the tight ends seem to be the premier target of Mr. Philip Rivers. And when you look at the targets of those three wide receivers, you have Pascal with six, Marcus Johnson with four, and Michael Pittman with one. So Pascal is going to be like the possession guy. He's kind of like a fill-in shit flex play that you could probably do worse with because he's had good games before where he could fill in as like the wide receiver one possession guy. Definitely not spending fab on him. Um, But if you want to throw a zero out there, zero dollar fab bid and grab him for like your second flex spot or some shit probably do worse they do play baltimore next week and speaking of fucking covid contractions you have marlon humphrey who also tested positive for covid but this is a weird situation because he was held out of practice last week with an illness i don't know if it was covid like symptoms but he had an illness so this year you have to stay out of practice you have to stay out of the facility if you have an illness uh, until you get a negative test he tested negative played the game and now he has covid so I don't really fucking know, man. Things are getting weird. Things are getting dicey. They're obviously going to have to trace this again. And the other thing with uh, with with AJ Dillon is because he was um, because they're playing Thursday night. Like, there's that five day contact trace rule or whatever. You know what I mean? So if someone was in contact with them, then they're going to be out for this game. And maybe the NFL moves the game. I don't really know if they, uh, depending on how serious it is, if they have like half their fucking team in the close contact list or whatever they call that list, could be a problem. I doubt the NFL is going to move shit for a Thursday night game. But I think you can't go backwards though because you can't you can't move their game. I guess they just would not have a Thursday night game, which would be preferable. I like Tuesday night football over Thursday night football. And I feel like I'm not actually in the minority of that. I probably am, but. Yeah, I kind of like this kid Marcus Johnson though. I'm going to throw his, his profile up on the screen. Marcus Johnson, 6'1", 205. But the athletics are there, man. 4'4", speed, really high burst score. He's a big play guy. That's what he does. He, he, he runs down the field, and he makes a lot of big plays down the field. He now has seven catches of 20-plus yards this year, and he's only played in four games. He's got over a 26% air yard share on the team. So if you're looking for an upside play out of the wide receivers – uh, someone who's getting a full-time snap share, someone who's playing on every single down. I kind of like Johnson. He's a little bit intriguing to me, to be honest. And Pittman was a fun prospect, but he hasn't done anything on the NFL field that says he's worth rostering. Now we move over to Kenny G. Kenny G's got the hip, right? Again, hip, groin, I'm not really sure what it is. I, I, I'm seeing something come out about Kenny G like very recently, so I'm going to hop on Twitter real quick to grab this. Uh, Where are you, Kenny? Kenneth. Kenneth the Gall. Yeah, I don't fucking know. Whatever. Um, so again, it's probably some kind of groin strain. Grade one or two is going to be the severity of how long he misses. He's already been ruled out for this upcoming week's game against Minnesota, which is 
terrible news because it's a great pass defense to go up against for fantasy. Now, if it's grade one, obviously it's going to be like one to two weeks. If it's grade two, it's going to be somewhere from like three, four, five up to six weeks maximum. I don't know if, you know, they very rarely is it up to that extreme. Um, but nothing here I really want on Detroit. Obviously, if Marvin Jones was dropped, you could pick him bike up because now he'll kind of be the wide receiver one there. Even though he's not really equipped at this point in his career to be the wide receiver one, he'll get targets. Uh, this just means stonks up for fucking Hawkinson. Hawkinson right now is top five in fantasy. He is number five, tight end five, half PPR fantasy points per game. So Hawkinson stonks up. And uh, that's all we got for Kenny G. We got Darrell Henderson. He's got this thigh injury. You know, he was dealing with the thigh injury on the injury report. And we don't actually know if it was like a new one. And I think now they came out and said it was a hip injury. And it's different than the one he had. Regardless, I don't think it's supposed to be serious. Not significant. They do have their bye week coming up this week. So he'll have it to two weeks to get back to full strength. Um, I, I assume we will see him in week 10. You know, if you want to pick up Cam Akers and... You know, kind of hope that we don't see Darrell Henderson out there. Like, I'm not really going to fault you for it, but K-Makers really didn't do much uh, outside of, like, later on into the game when it was kind of, like, garbage time. He did look good when he was on the field, but um, once Henderson is back, very, very, very unlikely K-Makers makes an impact on your team immediately. Very unlikely that Tevin Coleman makes an impact on your team for the remainder of the season. He re-injures the same knee yesterday. A lot of fucking, we're going we're gonna to spend the next like 10 minutes on San Francisco injuries. Tevin Coleman has his knee injury that put him on the IR, re-injures the same knee in the first quarter. We'll have to see if he gets put back on the IR. He'll probably miss some time regardless. He was getting a lot of work before the injury. He had three carries in the first quarter. It looked like he was like the starter and at least the 1A or 1B in that situation there. But now, Mostert's dead. Coleman's dead. Jeff Wilson's dead. And it's it's Hasty and McKinnon once again. Now Mostert's on the IR for at least one more week, and you know again Jeff Wilson's going to be out for a little bit of time. Tevin Coleman too. I think it's pretty clear right now that it's Jamichael Hasty's backfield. In the first half, in the first half we had uh, Coleman had his three touches, but we had Jamichael Hasty eleven touches. McKinnon had two, two for a combined negative one yards. The 49ers got down 30-7, to seven, and that's when Nick Mullins went in, and the entire second half was like garbage time, and McKinnon was very involved in the passing game, uh, 4 for 40 through the air, but very much a product of the second half of that game, and then just getting whooped. So they do get a tasty matchup next week against Green Bay at home, week 9, and this is Thursday night game, so we're talking about Aaron Jones possibly being out. This could be, uh, this could be a fucking ugly, ugly game with all the injuries on this front. And uh, that goes for, like, all these guys that were hurt. I mean, we know that they're more significant now, like George Kittle and Jimmy G, who we'll get into in a second. Uh, we know they're more significant, so they never really had a chance to play Thursday night. But a guy like Tevin Coleman, if he's not back on the IR, very, very, very unlikely that he plays this upcoming week. So Green Bay just got absolutely carved up like a fucking Thanksgiving turkey by Dalvin Cook. There's way many, there's so many more, like, memes and inner word plays you could do there between Dalvin Cook carved up like a Thanksgiving turkey. But I have to... Move on and keep presenting the information to y'all, unfortunately. What's up? Um, what else do we got? What else do we got? Well, we could talk about Nick Mullins because we have Jimmy G. Do we have breaking news on Jimmy G or only on George Kittle? Because George Kittle is going to be out for the next fucking eight weeks. And you hate to see that. You hate to fucking see that in a dynasty league that's tight end premium and you're battling for 
top seed. Just something you hate to see. All right. Adam Schefter reports Jimmy G ankle will be sidelined indefinitely. It's possibly lands on the IR to ensure more time to heal. Clearly rush back from the high ankle sprain he suffered in week two. Whatever, whatever, whatever. Story here is Nick Mullins. Comes in, throws for about 240 and two touchdowns. We've seen this story play itself out many times. Mullins comes in as the as the hero, as the savior statistically. And then, you know, the next game he plays kind of shitty and everyone's like, wait, I thought Nick Mullins. People just do the same shit every single week. I said it last week on the stream. I was like, we don't have to make a hot take about every single quarterback every week. They have one good game and they're like, yep, he's the future. Then he has a shit game. They're like, he's not even going to be a fucking starter next year. Guys, like if you're not a top five, top eight quarterback, you're just going to be inconsistent. That's how the fucking NFL works. It's how the quarterback position works. So Nick Mullen's going to come in, and they have this game against Green Bay, which is not going to be easy considering he does not have George Kittle. He is probably not going to have Debo Samuel again because they're playing on a shortened week, and he's going to be without most of his running backs. So they get Green Bay, then they're at New Orleans. They get their bye. They're at the Rams, Buffalo, Washington, at Dallas, at Arizona. So the next month which is probably going to be all Mullins is not necessarily a favorable matchup. Obviously you want to pick him up if you're in a Superflex league because quarterbacks don't come around that often, but the bigger injury news here is George Kittle going to be out eight weeks, which is doing the math. We're eight weeks in fantasy football seasons are about 16 weeks long. Here's one thing I will say. I'll hold on to Kittle. If I have an IR spot, I'll probably hold on to Kittle regardless and this is probably a little bit of a reach and only like a 2% chance of this happening. But I do think that there's a possibility games get, I guess your fantasy season really wouldn't take this into account anyways. That's going to run through week 16. I was going to say it's a possibility that we get hit with like a COVID infestation uh, during weeks like 12, 13, 14 maybe. And then they start pushing the regular season back. So it's like a seven, an 18, 19 week regular season. But regardless, I think your fantasy seasons are going to finish within the first 16 weeks. So do what you want with George Kittle. I mean, you could throw him on the IR if you got a spot. But I, I mean, they're telling you it's eight weeks out already. So not good news for Georgie Kittle. Is there anyone I want behind him? Ross Dwelly? No. Uh, Jordan Reed is coming. He he suffered an injury that we he was supposed to be sidelined for like six to eight weeks. And that wasn't like that. I think that was a month ago. So he's probably still got a couple more weeks before he's bike on the field. It's ugly. It's kind of just wheels up for Brandon Ayuk right now. And no one else really in that passing game. I guess Kendrick Bourne becomes semi-interesting pickup. He's like in and out of the lineup as someone that can produce for you. And they just haven't had any weapons on the field. So let me check bike in here and make sure that um, we're all right. Why is this lagging so much? Is this still fucked up? Is, this, is the lag still really bad? All right, Brady, you just got fucking absolutely timed out. Putting time out like a child that you are. Waver your mom. Damn, that's fucked up. I'm lagging too. Uh, I wonder if I could change the settings on the stream midstream. Probably not. I might fuck something up. Let me see if... Uh... Hmm. Output, recording, camera scene. Stay with me. Stay with me, baby. Video file, camera. Stream aspect, stream size, high quality video mode. Man, I don't know what the fuck is going on. 
All right. Well, you're all going to have to deal with the lag for this one, unfortunately. Sorry. Let's keep going. Let us keep powering through. And I will, uh, I'll, I'll jump onto Yahoo and look at some rostered percentages and stuff in terms of like guys I think you could pick up for the next you know month or so that could fill in for a guy like George Kill or whatnot. We're going to move on to the next segment, which I'm going to call committee or titty. Are they in a committee or is this guy actually litty titty? All right. We're going to look at all the committees around the NFL. Not all of them, but the ones I think are relevant right now. We're going to break down how I see it going forward, what happened this previous week, what the fuck has been happening the previous weeks. And I think we need to start off with Jonathan Taylor and the Indianapolis Colts, Jordan Wilkins and Naeem Hines. Going into yesterday, if I told you that the Colts would finish this day with fantasies running back six, fantasies running back seven on the week, JT owners would have lost their shit. They're like, finally, we get a fucking top five, top 10 performance out of my boy. The Colts did. They had the RB6 and the RB7 on the day. But they also had the running back 45 on the day. And that, my friends, was Jonathan Taylor. Putrid day on the ground um, for JT. I think he went like 11 for 22, whatever it was. We don't need to get into the, into the grid of it because we know it was discouraging and it puts a little knot in your stomach if you're a JT owner, especially in Dynasty. I'm not, I'm not happy. And listen, I know, I know, like, I'll get to the ankle thing, right? Like, supposedly he's now dealing with a minor ankle thing. Um, but Frank Reich didn't know that during the game. That's not the reason why he was playing Wilkins over him, but it could have been the reason why he was ineffective. We don't know how long he's been dealing with it. I don't know. It seems like it happened during the game and then maybe whatever, but he was not good during the game. He hasn't been good for uh, a little while now. I'm not saying I'm happy that Jonathan Taylor is kind of busting out and being terrible. But I can't say I'm not because fantasy Twitter was literally fucking unbearable during the spring and the summer when it came to Jonathan Taylor. It was like people who liked Jonathan Taylor, like everybody liked Jonathan Taylor. He was a really good prospect, amazing athlete, awesome fucking production at Wisconsin. Everyone liked him. But if you didn't put him at your RB1, if he wasn't your 101 in every draft, you're a fucking idiot and you don't know what you're doing. You're going to regret it for 10 years. So it was either like you like someone or you're a fucking idiot. Like those are the only two sides that people were allowed to take. So there's a lot of people looking like big fucking assholes. Like, oh, he's Saquon Barkley, but better. He's Saquon Barkley with more production. He's a better athlete than all these fucking guys. A lot of people looking dumb as fuck right now. And again, I own Taylor in some dynasty leagues. Like I'm not happy that he's busting, but I like this as a moving forward piece that people can just shut the fuck up and like the people that they like. Like, we're all going to be wrong about a lot of shit. We're all going to be right about a lot of shit. But when people go that far out on a limb to be like unbustable, best player of all time, and then he gets drafted midway through the second round behind another offensive player, like clearly they, they told you how they felt about him during the draft. Does this mean Jonathan Taylor is busted? No, he could still be fucking great. He could still be fine, but there are no excuses to be made for him right now, right? Like, it's not like he's been dealing with an injury or like there was a, there was a, an injury to their offensive line. Like Quentin Nelson went down or like Phillip Rivers got hurt or some shit. There's nothing but what it is. And he's been fucking terrible, averaging 3.8, 3.9 yards per carry. Okay. So there's no excuses, no excuses. And I tweeted this out. I said, if Marlon Mack had stayed healthy this year, 
Jonathan Taylor, I asked the question, would Jonathan Taylor have been the worst third round pick in fantasy drafts? And I think that's a, you know, obviously outside of the injuries and shit, like, yes, he is. He, I don't even know how much he would have been on the field if Marlon Mack was healthy. But that also begs a question with a guy like Clyde Edwards Hilaire, who was the big argument, right? Like, if um, if uh, if Damian Williams didn't opt out, there's a good chance that Damian Williams like could be the RB, the A to Clyde Edwards Hilaire's B right now. Um, I don't know if that would happen, but like Clyde Edwards Hilaire is not producing for a first round pick or where you were able to get him. Like if Damian Williams is on the field, he's explosive as fuck and he's been really, really good with KC. So there's a chance that both of these guys would have been terrible if Marlon Mack stayed healthy, if Damian Williams uh, didn't happen to opt out. So just a wild, wild, wild season for all these running backs that everybody was so locked into and was so sure that we were getting just stud after stud after stud after stud. And people think you could just plug a fucking wire into an outlet and boom, the analytics come out and everything is perfect. It's one formula and nobody can ever miss. There's something we missed because Jordan Wilkins outplayed Jonathan Taylor yesterday and by a wide, wide margin. And um, it was supposed to be Taylor's kind of breakout party, right? Going against the Lions who were like bottom five and fantasy points allowed to the running back position. But he goes 11 for 22 on the ground. Jordan Wilkins gets 20 carries, 89 yards, scores a tug, catches one and only target, 24 yards. Leads the backfield with 39 snaps. JT gets 29. Naeem Hines gets 16. Caught three of five targets, 54 yards, two touchdowns. Does all types of weird shit in the end zone. Um, doing flips and shit. I'm like surprised he didn't get hurt. Like that's the way 2020 was going. I don't know why you would double down on that and do the celebration twice like equal chance of you getting hurt. There's people who've been doing dumber fucking celebrations that have gotten hurt doing less. Naeem Hines, calm down. I'm excited for you. Cool fucking, very cool that you could do the gymnastic shit. Do it in the off season. Don't be doing it in the middle of the fucking season. Not twice. Not, you don't, you don't, you don't fucking double down on that. It's ridiculous. So uh, Naeem Hines, I'll cover first. Like, listen, this, this is exactly what happened week one. He scores the two touchdowns. He played 16 snaps. He scores the two touchdowns. Everyone goes nuts, spending all their fab on him. Myself, I think I spent like 35% in fucking E-Town get down. And then he goes five straight games. The last five games, didn't score a single touchdown. Uh, didn't score above like eight fantasy points in any of those games. And now he scores two touchdowns. People are going to get excited about him. Don't. This like we've, we've been here. We've been here plenty of times. What can we expect going forward? I know like everybody wants to see them let Jonathan Taylor get into a groove. But like, he's averaging two to three yards per carry. Why keep feeding him the rock? Like, it's not, I feel like that would be bad coaching at this point, you know? Uh, so I, I commend them for fucking continuing to give the ball to Jordan Wilkins, even though Jonathan Taylor was their second round pick. Going forward, um, I, I don't expect Jordan Wilkins to be like the starter. Like, we know what Wilkins is. He's a, he's a grinder. He's a thumper that can have games like this, that can handle 20 carries in a game if need be. They ran the ball a shitload of times. Like, that was a lot of touches for their running backs. Um, and I don't expect big games like this from Wilkins going forward. If you had to own one, it's obviously Taylor because he brings the upside. Give him one hole. I haven't seen, like, one good... I mean, he, he doesn't see any of the fucking big holes. But we haven't seen a lot of holes that he could have gone through for him to bust through. And that's what he did so well at Wisconsin. And, and what sucks is like these last three games were supposed to be the games, you know, like these were supposed to be his breakouts. It was like, it was, uh, it was Cleveland. It was Detroit. It was someone else before that. That was shit too. Uh, the next six games are Baltimore, Tennessee, Green Bay, Tennessee, Houston, LV fantasy playoffs are Houston and Pittsburgh. 
So good matchups, some bad matchups. Baltimore next week is obviously not easy, but like Tennessee is whatever. Um, Green Bay just got ripped. Tennessee again. Houston LV are nice matchups, but like it's a real committee. It is not. A, it is not no longer a Jonathan Titty Taylor committee. It is straight up committee now. And and the problem is they're going to ride the hot hand. They're going to ride the hot hand, and that's going to be the case going forward. If they did it in this one game, they will continue to do it in games going forward. And that could be Jordan Wilkins. That could be Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor had the clear path to being the workhorse for like four weeks in a row. Jordan Wilkins was getting like two touches, if that, for the last three or four weeks. And now if you're going to throw the hot hand into the equation there, it's going to be a problem for a guy like Taylor who can't seem to get hot. Am I running out to grab Wilkins with all my fab? No, he's someone to have on your bench. He's someone to have on your bench. Like I don't want one running back in a three-person committee um, that doesn't catch passes. But if Jonathan Taylor's ankle seems to be serious, like, yeah, you obviously want Wilkins on your bench. I'd be surprised if Taylor doesn't still lead the backfield on the ground going forward and in terms of like touches, but it's going to be messy, man. It's going to be messy. I don't know if you could look at Jonathan Taylor as anything more than a mid to low running back too. Um, I just don't know if the upside is, is what we thought it might have been earlier on in the year. And uh, yeah, like I said, He's dealing with a little bit of an ankle injury. We'll see what they say about it. But Reich supposedly learned about it afterwards and was playing Jordan Wilkins for the entirety of the game before even knowing about it. Next up in the titty or committee segment is Devin Singletary and Zachary Moss out in Buffalo. The story of this RBBC is basically what we expected, right? Zach Moss is the bigger guy, the thumper, the one who's going to get the valuable touches down by the goal line. And I'm going to throw this tweet up for y'all. If I can ever find it. Yes, here it is from Zipad Father. Speaking of Jonathan Taylor. Hard to undersell the importance of scoring zone touches for running backs. Zach Moss breakdown. Outsnapped Singletary 29 to 23. They ran the same number of routes, six to six. Touches inside the 10-yard line. This is the big one. Four to zero for Singletary. Zach Moss obviously scored two touchdowns. And that's the difference between the two. Because when they're, they're running the same number of routes, they're both getting, you know, 13, 14, 15 carries. Who is getting the valuable carries? And clearly it's Zach Moss. So it's been back-to-back weeks where Moss has kind of strung together two good performances. 28 carries for 128 on the ground over the last two weeks. He's getting healthy. He's looking good. Um, and this was the first time all year that Zach Moss outsnapped Devin Singletary. So if you want one going forward, it's obviously Zach Moss. And it seems like he's kind of getting into that mold of the 1A to Singletary's 1B. If you even want to call him that at this point. Singletary had like 10 points. It was like his fucking breakout game for fantasy. Who else we got? Who else we got? Swift, AP, carry on. I mean, listen. Like, this is the tweet I put up two weeks ago. Yesterday, DeAndre Swift became the first Lions rookie running back to go over 100 yards on the ground with two scores since Barry Sanders in 1989. Level of confidence that Matt Patricia will keep feeding him. Zero. Yesterday, Jamal fucking Agnew. Jamal Agnew led the Detroit Lions in rushing with one carry for 11 yards, right? Listen, you could, I, you could, you could sit there and blame Matt Patricia for not getting Swift involved more, but like he also had six carries for one yard. Like it just didn't work out 
the way that we wanted it to. They do get the Vikings next week, which you can obviously beat through the air for running backs. We have Kenny Galladay, who's going to miss time. He's going to miss this game. Um, and he missed weeks one and two. Kenny Galladay missed some time in the beginning. Swift saw five targets in both of those games. So I see an expanded role for Swift in the passing game next week against the Vikings, but still very hard to feel confident about um, about anyone in this backfield. Really, anyone on this fucking team with Galladay out besides Hawkinson. So still very, very little confidence that we see Swift take over the main role within. You know, we need an injury in that backfield. We really do. We don't root for injuries unless we're rooting for an injury. J.K. Dobbins versus Gus Edwards. Talk about an injury. We have Mark Ingram with the high ankle sprain. They're still pretending like they're not, um, like he's going to be playing and shit. At this point, like if Mark Ingram gets, if I put the over-under for the number of carries that Mark Ingram should receive over the next eight weeks, which would lead to a fireable offense, I would put it at 0.5. Mark Ingram should not touch the ball again in this backfield. At this point, Gus Edwards is better than Mark Ingram. At this point, J.K. Dobbins is far more explosive than anything Mark Ingram has. There's just no reason to feed Mark Ingram there. Honestly, like if he just came out and he was just like, yo, I like um, their coach Harbaugh, if he came out and he was just like, I'm just giving Mark Ingram the ball because he scares me. Like it's just straight out of respect. I'd be like, okay, like I understand that shit. If I was a coach and Mark Ingram came into my office, he was like, give me a fucking ball. I'm like, okay, like here's 12 fucking carries. Enjoy your 32 yards. Other than that, no fucking reason for Ingram to be getting the ball. Gus had 16 carries yesterday. Mark Ingram has had 16 or more carries twice in his entire Baltimore tenure thus far. So he's playing the Ingram role. He's, he might be playing it like too good. He might He's doing like a Daniel Day-Lewis acting, uh, whatever that fucking practice he does, where he's playing the role too well because Gus actually has zero fucking catches on the year. Zero. He has zero receptions on the year. We're eight weeks into the season. Come on, guys. Catch fucking ball, my guy. Catch one ball. But Dobbins, too. Dobbins balls out in this game as well. Um, and we look at some of the stats per PFF over here. Leaves the NFL in yards per carry right now. Seven and a half yards per carry. Second in yards after contact per attempt. Uh, his 113 rushing yards yesterday were third amongst running backs. Seven missed tackles forced. So that was his week eight stats. But right now in the season, he is leading a lot of categories for the running backs in terms of missed tackles forced per attempt in terms of yards per carry in terms of all this shit he is very explosive very good in between the tackles very good on outside enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at betmgm sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet when you register with betmgm you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features live betting options and the best daily promotions in the business and with betmgm at your fingertips every play and every game matters more than ever place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply runs and they fucking need some spark in that offense right now because they're not getting it done otherwise uh he goes 15 for 113 on the ground caught a pass for eight yards so he is the pass catching back there for whatever that's worth because nobody's catching shit but good to see him get really involved good to see him get 15 carries uh and they were against pittsburgh man they were against pittsburgh they had not allowed a runner to go over 80 rushing yards yet on the year and both of these guys did it uh, Gus went for like 86 and a score. Dobbins, like I said, went for 113. They play at Indy next week. Really tough matchups. They are 31st right now in terms of fantasy points allowed to running backs. So second to last, like the second worst matchup for running backs. Like I said, they just played Detroit and Jamal Agnew was the leading rusher for the Detroit Lions with 11 fucking yards. With Darius Leonard healthy at the linebacker position, like this is a this unit is a different beast. So again, like I was scared to play either of these Ravens running backs because they were playing Pittsburgh. Maybe, maybe you just say fuck it and roll either the, either one of them out there. If Ingram's out, maybe they're both just RB twos. Maybe Gus gets another touchdown score or two. Maybe J.K. Dobbins breaks off two thirty-yard plays like he continues to do. Uh, so I'm looking at them as more of probably not solidified RB twos, but like against Indy. Yeah, like uh, back-end RB2, probably high-end RB3. That's the way I would look at both these Baltimore guys for the next week. Now, this is an interesting case here. Justin Jackson versus Josh Kelly. And I will continue to say that I have liked and I will continue to like Justin Jackson far more than Justin Kelly. And it is a weird split yesterday. Josh Kelly just got absolutely phased out. He like didn't convert on the play. And then Troy Main Pope, which is Troy Main. Troy Main's one is just like a ridiculous first name. Troy Main sounds like a rapper name. I feel like there's three rappers that are named Troy Main. It's two names in one, but it's one name. Troy Main Pope. That might be the most mind fucking name I've ever heard. Can't get over it. Justin Jackson leads the backfield, 47 snaps. 17 carries, five targets. That's big. That's big usage. But Troy Main Pope comes in as the RB2 ahead of Josh Kelly. 10 carries, seven targets. I believe he got hurt, and then Josh Kelly got back in the game and got some work. But Jesus Christ, is Josh Kelly who we thought he was? You know, we were never high on him uh, over here at Big Dogs. Like, we were not a fan of Josh Kelly as a, as a player. Um, my actual comp for him was Mike Davis, and it turns out Mike Davis is probably a lot better than Josh Kelly. Kelly's a guy who can handle the workload, man. He's a guy who can do everything, all three downs, but he doesn't do anything well. He doesn't make guys miss. He's not like an electric pass catcher. He's not elusive. Like he doesn't do anything great. He's a he's a guy who can play on all three downs, but Justin Jackson is just far more electric. He's a, he's a guy that plays the Eckler role far better than anything else they have here. And at this point, like attaching yourself to Justin Herbert in fantasy is a very fucking good thing. Boston Eckler gets his ass back here. He's going to be averaging 27.7 fantasy points per game. We need you. We need you, Bike Eckler. We need you so bad. We need you so bad, baby. Get back for before Thanksgiving. I'll be thankful. I'll be thankful for nothing else except Austin Eckler coming back. 
Okay. 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 Who do the Chargers play next week? Who do they play next week? Chargers. They're not on a bye. No, I think they already had their bye. Chargers. Are y'all still here with me? I I forget to check. What's up? What's up? Make sure you fucking slap that thumbs up button, please. Looks like this. It's like half an inch below your, your screen right now. Just scroll down and click it. Would love that. Would love that. I would love you for, for that. Love that for you. So you get the Raiders. Beautiful matchup. They get the Dolphins. They get the Jets. They get the Bills. They get the Patriots, the Falcons, the Raiders. The That's a beautiful schedule. Austin Eckler, get your fucking ass back. Please. Lord. Lord of mercy. So, yeah, I like Justin Jackson a lot going forward, and I will continue to like that man's. What else we got here? Um, we have the Patriots backfield, which is like, Jesus Christ. Uh, Damian Harris commanded 67% of their running back carries. Rushed for 102 yards. Looked actually good doing it in all full weather conditions. Cam Newton is just like fucking, oh, boy. Cam Newton is, this is what I thought we would get out of him. I would say like 17 to 19 fantasy points. I think we can continue to expect between like 15 and 21 in that range, but it's going to be ugly every single time. Like you're not going to want to watch the game if you own Cam Newton and you're watching it just for fantasy implications. It's going to be fucking gross. It's going to come with like garbage time. It's going to come with, I don't even know who he's throwing to. I couldn't name the the receivers that he's throwing. It's Jacoby Myers, it's Damian Bird. It's uh, someone named Izzo. There's, they have like six guys who have more vowels in their last name than consonants. That's when you know you got a fucking problem. Because the only guys that have more vowels in their last name than consonants are like fullbacks and weaponized tight ends. That doesn't even make sense. Like they're just like the, the guys that have no actual position. They'll never be a running back. They'll never be a wide receiver. But they have like an OESJXW. S-C-A-R. Some shit like that. They have seven guys that can't keep stolen the ball to like that. And it's a problem. Like, he's looked bad, sure. But their weapons, like, what do you expect him to do? Can't do anything. Um, also, Damian Harris is not running any single routes. I don't know if I feel comfortable starting any of these guys, ever. But Damian Harris is the guy. He's like, you can feel comfortable. You can feel comfortable in... Um, You can feel comfortable starting Damian Harris in a good matchup, which I don't even know if that really exists for the Patriots anymore, but like they play the Jets next week. Okay. So that should be, I mean, we expect that to be at least a good game script game. So Damian Harris should get 15 plus touches. So I think he's like a low end RB two for that one. Uh, Sam Darnold's going to be out. So even more game script action there. We even talk about him in the injuries because I don't think it's even fucking necessary or relevant in fantasy at this point. What else do we got here? What else do we got? We have uh, Dalvin Cook, you know, welcome, welcome fucking bike. Uh, weak winner. Opponents fucking done like dinner. Dallas Goddard's bike. Good to see. He ran around on 84% of Carson Wentz's dropbacks. They do have a buy in week nine. Um, but if Ertz is still out, I mean, this is the moment all of the Goddard owners were waiting for, right? Goddard automatic top three, five tight end if Ertz is out. Well, it's here. And Goddard escaped without an injury. Goddard fucking didn't do anything, but it's here apparently. 
He'll be a tight end one. He'll be a tight end one in week 10 if Ertz is still out. Tua makes his first start. Um, gets absolutely body slammed on his first play. It's kind of fucking awesome. On a side note, Brian Flores deserves coach of the year like right now. Halfway through the year, don't give it to anybody else. For real. Just Brian Flores. They got the dub, but honestly, Tua look, didn't look good. He averaged literally like four yards per attempt. Like you would have had better efficiency numbers handing the ball to a running back. Like four yards per attempt, a lot of running backs just average four yards per carry. Just as long as your running back isn't Jonathan Taylor. Like dead ass, four yards per attempt. Yeah. Almost had to put on Timberlands just to say that fucking statement. So it's a downgrade for Miami's pass catchers, if we're going to be honest. All right, like Fitz was already in the in the zone, in the flow, acquainted with the pass catchers, loved to throw the ball, didn't give a shit. It's a downgrade to Devontae Parker. It's a downgrade to Preston Williams. It's a, you know, I would say it's a downgrade to Mike Isicki, but he can't really go any further down than he already is. It's a problem. Um, Good to see Tua get the dub, though, like, I guess. But we're going to need to see a little bit more out of him going forward to feel good about starting anyone in Miami's offense. You're going to keep starting Miles Gaskin because he keeps operating as the workhorse, obviously. Um, but, you know, the Rams are a tough defense. The Rams are a very tough defense to have your first start against. So we'll give him some leeway, obviously. Um, good to see him on the field, though. Corey Davis stays balling out. I guess he really is the new Devontae Parker, huh? They're just like, I, w- I was going to say they're like trading off days, him and A.J. Brown, but like Corey Davis continues to just ball out every, not ball out, but like, he keeps doing his thing. He's like low key, just annoying as fuck. And I started him this week in Etown Get Down because I was kind of, I wasn't really forced to. It was just a great fucking sit start by me. Just a great, great decision by me. I'm just a phenomenal owner and manager. So he's played in five games this this year. Here are his half PPR. Wow, he's really doing well. Half PPR, five games. His worst game was 9.4 points 13 6, 11 1, 9 4, 12 and a half, 22.8. So he's averaging 13.9 half PPR fantasy points per game. Where does that put him overall right now? 13.9 is wide receiver 15 right now. If you take out guys that don't qualify, probably he's probably up inside around wide receiver 14 or 13. He is tied with Keenan Allen right now. That's ridiculous. And A.J. Brown's up there also at wide receiver like eight. So Ryan Tannehill, I fucking love Ryan Tannehill, man. I really do. I really like Ryan Tannehill a lot. He's making things happen there in Tennessee. I know they keep fucking losing, but look at bike to it. What else we got? Jarvis Landry. He was a guy that I said to buy low on last week. And you have another opportunity here. You probably have another two, like another two weeks stretch to buy low on him. My reasons for buying low on him last week were OBJ's gone. OBJ's gone. He's going to start operating as the one. And he's been banged up since the start of the season. Now he gets his bye week to recover and rest up a little bit. Eleven. This was the perfect game to buy low on for Landry in redraft leagues. 11 targets in this one. Didn't do much on them production-wise. Had a touchdown called back on a nice catch that was whatever the replay. Um, they called it off. But it was one of those things where, like, if the owner is just looking at the box score, he's like, ah, fuck, another, like, six or seven points from Landry, another shit game. But it could have been, it should have been a much bigger game. And the 11 targets is, so now they get their bye. And the schedule over the second half of the year for the Browns is 
Gorgeous. Like a Chick-fil-A sandwich. It's fucking juicy. It's crispy like some... Where are the browns? Where are you? They play after their bye. The Texans, the Eagles, the Jaguars, the Titans, the Ravens, and the Giants, and the Jets for the fantasy playoffs. I really, really think Jarvis Landry is a good buy low right now. Second half of the year. Damage going to be done. Not really. He's kind of like a ripoff Tyler Boyd at this point. But... He can. He's someone that you could throw into your flex. Let's look at some tight ends that are on the that are on the wire that are not highly owned right now that you can kind of plug in for George Kittle. Probably zero that you can actually plug in and feel good about. Let's see all available players, all players. We're gonna go rostered in less than sixty percent of leagues. Wow, Jimmy Graham is still available, and Yahoo's all fucked up, man. They're ridiculous. Uh, I would definitely grab Jimmy Graham. Um, he's had at least five targets in like seven straight games. And he is a very clear red zone target. I know he's not producing well, but like uh, he's getting he's getting the looks for sure. Jimmy Graham, Zach Ertz is pretty dropped. That's fine. Eric Ebron is a guy I think you could look at too because um, he's gotten a lot of work over the last month or so. And he's coming off a big game, 48 yards and a touchdown at 50 yards last week. But he's going to come with like the high upside uh, low floor kind of days. But over the next three weeks, Eric Ebron and the Steelers get Dallas, Cincinnati, Jacksonville. Dallas, Cincinnati, Jacksonville. I don't know if you could fucking lay up a better schedule for pass catchers, except if you were in the NFC South and you got to play the Falcons twice. Let's see. Uh, Austin Hooper should be back after the bye. He was getting super involved too. And with OBJ out, I think he could be a player. Uh, Richard Rogers. No, not with, uh, Goddard there. Yeah. My favorites under 60% known would definitely be Jimmy Graham, uh, Eric Ebron and Austin Hooper. Uh, how'd the Colts fucking, uh, tight ends even do yesterday? Trey Burton, three for nine, caught a tug. Eh. Jack Doyle, what did he do? Did he, did he bounce back to life? Two for 18 in a tug? Yeah, they're just getting all the tugs, huh? Yeah, it's not really an equation I want any part of. Wiley Cox, three for 37. Yeah, it's gross out here. If you had kill, you're probably fucked. Sorry. Sorry, I'm not. Sorry whatsoever. Shouldn't have drafted Kittle. What's good? What is good? Um... I think that's really all the recap I had. Anything else big that happened that I missed? How about the fucking fight between Wims and Gardner Johnson? Gardner Johnson must be such a cunt. Like, he just keeps getting punches thrown at him all the time. I saw the whole play. So, if you guys didn't really, like, I know the whole breakdown of what actually happened now. So, it was, it was during a play. Gardner Johnson and Wims were matched up together. And Wims grabbed the... And rim, and Wims... Uh, uh, Gardner Johnson took the mouthpiece out of Wims's mouth. On a, after a play and then the play subsided and Wims was taken out and then the drive was done and then the Bears got the ball back eventually on the next drive and uh and Wims had waited that whole time so he waited like 11 or 12 plays just fucking pissed off at Gardner Johnson and waiting to just punch him in in the helmet like a fucking moron so that's where it stemmed from so he ripped his shit out, and then he was waiting for the next play to get back on. He does. He's not covered by him. After the play, he goes up, rips the fucking 
uh, mouthpiece out of his thing, punches him in the head. Gardner John's sitting there like, you're fucking, how dumb are you to punch me in the helmet? Um, and then Wims, Wims, you could tell, was waiting for a retaliation fucking two-piece nugget and uh, nothing happened. So he, you could see actually on the second one, he went to like hit him that way because probably fucking so stupid broke his hand on the first punch. But um, but he got suspended for two games, I think. I don't know where like Javon Wims gets off thinking he could do that shit. Like Javon Wims, what kind of leash do you think you're on in the NFL that you could do something like that and like a team's going to welcome you back into the role? Like you probably get about 11 snaps per game if you're lucky anyways. I'm going to look that up right now. He probably might actually get as many snaps per game as he does fucking punches thrown. Let's check it out. Recapture. Who the fuck named that recapture? Like the swirly thing with the check? Who named that recapture? You think it was just a really New York dude? It was supposed to be like recapture their information? He was like, recapture. Fucking lock it down. Recapture. Wims. Javon Wims. Big special team guy. I tell you what. He was averaging like 20 snaps a game. 17 snaps a game. You're not going to average that anymore. Javon, such a promising player. Had you stashed on all my teams. I honestly didn't even know who the fuck he was before this fight. I like knew of the name, but like not really anything he's done or accomplished. All right. So anyone who's jumping in right now, yes, I've already touched on Jonathan Taylor, on J.K. Dobbins, on any of the injuries that happened. So Kenny G, George Kittle, Jimmy G, all the fucking G's G'd up, G'd, uh, G'd out, triple O-G, double O-G, all of them. Touched on all of them. Aaron Jones, T.Y. Hilton, Darrell Henderson, Tevin Coleman. We already did our titty or committee section. What else we got? How we doing, people? Let me come interact. Say... Say hello to Uncle Nicholas. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate that, Kelly. Kelly's talk. Zero thumbs down. You're right. That's fine. That's fine, my guy. What to do with Zeke? Um, I mean... I think he'll be fine once Dalton gets back under center. Like like I said last week, I had a feeling the Cowboys were going to look like Jets, the Jets last year when uh, when they didn't have Darnold, when they were fucking rolling out dudes that have never played in the NFL before. They were working at Home Depot about a week before. And that's pretty much what happened. So uh, better days ahead for Zeke under Dalton, but like still, you know. He's way more of a volume low-end RB1 or like high-end RB2 rest of the season, unfortunately. I love you, Jack. Whoa, that's a tough name. Double J's up. I'm just going to throw the fucking J's up for Jaquela Jackis. Jackis. Things are feisty in the chat today. Are they ever not feisty? Y'all are always yelling. You're never not yelling. How we doing? Oh, okay. Uh, Jake Luton. That's a guy we did not. Luton? Luton? I don't really know anything about him, to be honest. You know that Gardner Minshew is going to be out um, for at least this week, if not multiple weeks, which is, of course, a downgrade for LaVisca. It's going to be a downgrade for DJ Chark, mostly. Uh, James Robinson. 
yeah, this 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 could be bad. I don't. Here's the thing. I I really don't know much about Jake Luton. I believe he was like good in college uh, in terms of like statistics and productively, which should be the case for any fucking quarterback in college if you're gonna make it to the NFL. Um, but it's it's possible that he ends up making this making James making James Robinson into what we kind of just saw Zeke do, right? Where you're gonna get 15 carries, but they're gonna amount to like 50 yards, and you're not good enough to march an offense down the field. Thus, you're not getting any scoring opportunities. Though it's really good still that James Rob like yesterday Zeke was not really catching passes, right? Tony Pollard was involved a lot. James Robinson is like the clear workhorse 100% of the time getting the snaps, getting the targets. So he should still be involved when it comes to dump offs and stuff. So I would much rather own James Robinson um, going forward above a lot of guys still. But yeah, I mean, obviously it's a a cause for concern. Drop Gordon. Uh, Which Gordon? Melvin? Are you talking about Melvin? No, I wouldn't. Thoughts on Ayuk with Kittle out? Yeah, I mean he's uh, he is uh, he's certainly someone that needs to be in your lineup week in and week out. I mean, listen, he's the only guy there. <clears throat> Debo's out, Kittle's out, all the running backs are out. Everybody's fucking dead. Everybody dead. San Fran, like the earthquake. So yeah, Ayuk is uh, probably like a top fifteen guy going forward, as long as Debo's out. What else we got? Later, Thomas. Why is fantasy so miserable this year? Yeah, it's 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 a really fucking bad year. It's horrible. It's horrible. Just a lot of injuries, man. Just a ton of injuries. I, I really feel like it was probably the t- the two months leading up to the season that we normally have for people to prep and these injuries to occur. All these hamstring pulls and shit that end up leading to more injuries occur in the summer and uh and we just didn't have that this year so hopefully things will be back to normal all right ernesto you're i'm not you're just being fucking irresponsible and getting put in motherfucking timeout i love that they call it timeout chase edmonds uh are you relying on him this week fuck yeah if i have him if i have him uh definitely throwing chase edmonds in my lineup What's your outlook on CEH rest of the season? Yeah, I didn't I didn't put them in the in the titty committee section. That's uh it's it doesn't feel good as a CEH owner. Does not feel good. They very close in touch. CEH is still like you get the feel that he's still like the starter and the lead back there, but this is the problem, man. Mahomes is so good and uh they're scoring all their touchdowns from like 30 fucking yards out. They don't get the goal line opportunities. We don't even know who's going to get the goal line ops when they get down there because we haven't seen it with Bell and CEH yet. Uh, we don't get a lot of normal game scripts with them because they blow a lot of teams out. And uh, in games like that, it's just like you expect one of the running backs to to produce. You expect Le'Veon Bell to get his fucking revenge game, but lo and behold, we don't get it. So pretty much like I said, when Le'Veon Bell signed, when I made the Le'Veon Bell video, I'm going to be looking at Clyde as like a kind of in the same vicinity as Jonathan Taylor, like in a committee, probably like more mid to low RB2 rest of season and Bell's a flex play. Um I would like to see, you know, over the next two weeks, I think we'll get a much more clear picture over um, what this backfield really looks like because the Chiefs will play against 
me pull it up real quick. Eh, they play the Panthers and the Raiders. Uh, they got the Panthers by Raiders. So it's possible it's another blowout this week, man. I, uh, It's just like you're going to continue to, to roll out Clyde because it's the Chiefs offense and he could <coughs> explode for two or three touchdowns on, on any given day. But, you know, he's definitely just not where we um, where we had hoped he'd be when we drafted him, fortunately. Did Animal win this week? What kind of question is that? I think like the more realistic question should be like, did Animal break 77 points this week? Let's see. Me and Snacks are in a really fucking tight matchup right now. Animal's going to put up, projected to put up 88 points. He's going to lose to Shane, third place, who's right behind me, 134. I'm actually going to take a screenshot of my matchup with Snacks, which he has fucking <laughs> four players going tonight. He has like the entire Giants offense and then the Tampa Bay defense, which could work in his favor or work against him. I'm going to put it up. You guys let me know what you think about this right now. This is me and Snacks matchup in E-Town get down. I'm 6-1, and one, so I'm sitting pretty. But, like, I have all my players hurt or on bye, and I think that continues next week as well. Um, so I need to I need to scrape out some dubs here as all my players are sitting. So I'm up 40. I'm up 44, and he's got Ingram, Darius Slayton, Daniel Jones, Tampa Bay. Can go one of two ways. Like, here's the thing. That fourth quarter could be like an extra 17 points for him. Right, like one big play to Darius Slayton is going to put up like 17 garbage time points for him, which also could be terrible if like Tampa has a defensive touchdown. So if they do like a strip sack for a touchdown or a pick six, not only does it obviously give his defense like eight points, but then it puts DJ into comeback mode right away, which means he's probably going to run the ball a lot, have a lot of pass attempts. I don't know. It's it's going to be really close. I uh, I'm glad he's playing against Tampa Bay's defense. Thank, thank fucking God. But um, I don't even want to watch the game. Like, I just want to wake up tomorrow morning and know whether or not I won. That's how I feel about um, fantasy football this year. I hate watching. Gives me too much fucking anxiety. How y'all feeling about that? Are we catching dubs or no? Nah? It's going to be close. Snacks need, Yeah, Snacks definitely needs the win. I don't think he's... I don't, he needs it more than I do, but... I see a lot of JT questions. Guys, I talked about JT for like 15 minutes earlier on. Um, no, fantasy football didn't get me hating my home team. Fucking Atlanta got me hating Atlanta. Like, I actually, I'm actually not sure if I have a, a pure, like, if I, if I actually hate the Falcons. I don't know. Like, at this point, I don't know. I think I hate them. I think they've caused me so much hatred towards them that I think I hate them. We're going to go with that. It is where it all started for DJ. Remember that first game against Tampa last year? It was all good just a year ago. I'll never remember. I'll never forget. This is when we were filming Fade the Public still back at, at Animals in the in the dungeon. I'll never forget Snacks walking into the dungeon. We were filming Fade the Public that night. It was a Monday night game or Sunday. We were filming Monday night. It was a Monday night game. He came over or it was just a Monday game, whatever. 
And uh, I've never seen like the emotion. I don't know what the word for it would be. It's like if, 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 if ecstatic, if the word ecstatic took ecstasy, that's the emotion Snacks had walking into the dungeon that night. And I remember this is when I lived in Brooklyn still. Uh, and Snacks was still dating his girlfriend, his ex-girlfriend that lives in Brooklyn. He was getting, he stayed over her house. He was getting dropped off at my house that morning because we were driving back to New Jersey to film and watch the games. And he showed up, his girlfriend dropped him off at my apartment in Brooklyn. And, uh, and I walked outside and his eyes were bright red, like bleeding red. It looked like he had actually bled blue outside of his eyes. And I was like, what the fuck is wrong with you? You know, he's always crying. So I I don't know if he was like hungover or what, but she said that he cried the entire ride from her apartment to mine. It was like a 20 minute drive because Eli wasn't going to be the starter anymore. I'll never forget that day for snacks. He cried the whole time because it was Daniel Jones's first start and Eli was done with the giants. And then that night when he walked into the fucking dungeon, the, like the, the sounds that came out of him didn't, didn't mathematically add up for a human being. It was insane. And how quickly things have gone downhill for them. All right. It's five o'clock. Time to crack a drink. I will not spam, but who is better, Hunter Henry or Hurst? Uh... I'll probably take Hunter Henry rest of season. Though I don't hate Hurst given Ridley's injury. Oh yeah, Ridley's injured too. I think he's got a mid foot sprain maybe. Same thing that um, Carson's been dealing with and Mixon's been dealing with. Also, don't drop Geo. Don't drop Geo. Okay? Do not drop Geo. All right, that's all I got for y'all today. Uh, the in-depth waiver wire article will go live tomorrow, probably around noon, which you can get access to via patreon.com forward slash boy, doy, joy, oi, BGE. You'll also get our weekly rankings, which we don't put anywhere else besides Patreon. You also get our dynasty rankings. You will get access to our Q and a live stream that we do on Saturday, which is private, but regardless, uh, I love y'all for the support either way. So if you want to slam the thumbs up button, or if you want to leave a rating and review on the podcast, Love y'all. Make sure you get out there tomorrow and vote, please. Please vote. This is the most important election in the history of most of our lives. Okay? So get your asses out there and vote. Please. I'm out. Boom! This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.